This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we talk to Amy Landecker. Your husband is obviously very politically uh, active. Um, I, I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Let's go bother him now. Actually. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> We're waking up Bradley Woodford right now. I love it. Rick, this should be a new bit that we do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, he's in the shower. Oh, this is even better. Honey. What? Oh, and he's naked, so I definitely won't turn Oh, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going to have to draw the line here. <laughs> Minutia Men, Celebrity Interview. An OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon along with Lou Costable, and we're back for another exciting episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. And, um, you know, Lou, I've kind of got Mopar on the brain as of late because, of course, uh, I have my brand new 2020 Dodge Challenger, and I wanted to just... uh, talk a little bit about my initial impressions of, of the car so far. I've owned it for about a month, but I'll say, and I'll be frank here, I only have about 200 miles on it because I've got, you know, all my other cars I got to drive too, so I'm just trying to even everything out, but um, so far it's been a, a great experience. There's really nothing as of yet that I dislike about the vehicle. Um, I think they did a lot of things right on this car. And and an interesting aside, when I was doing some of the research, you know, the Challenger's been around now. The reintroduced version has been around now for like 12 years. And back when it was introduced in in, in the late 2000s, um, Chrysler was still part of uh, Daimler, uh, Mercedes-Benz. So it has actually some... Mercedes uh, components, architecture, whatever you want to call it, as part of the car. I know the rear suspension is supposedly from uh, pretty much from an E-Class. And it's interesting because, of course, I have a 2013 E550 Coupe, and then I have the 2020 Dodge Challenger. And there are actually some similarities um, between the two. I mean, it almost feels like I'm, at times, I'm thinking about, you know, I don't know exactly how much, Mercedes DNA it has in it, but it is it has kind of this familiar feel. It's it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, I guess. And even some of the interior components supposedly are sourced or semi derived from the E class. So it's it's almost like I'm sitting in an old friend in a way, but updated as a modern muscle car. Uh, I think the biggest thing I have to get used to is just the size of the vehicle. Um, it kind of reminds me of, of the Bentley that I had because the Bentley was just a massive car for a two-door. And this car, for a muscle car, it's a big car. Uh, it's wide. You you don't sit real low in it, even though it has it doesn't have as gun-slitty windows as, like, the Camaros do. But, um, you know, rearward, rearward uh, vision, the, the C-pillar, is pretty bad. But that's the only... Uh, negative as far as visibility goes in the car, but a lot of cars have poor uh, three-quarter visibility like that these days anyway. Um, But I do like the fact that you can actually see the hood 
on the car because you know there's so many cars these days where the hood just slopes away from the front i know they're i think the new uh, c8 corvette is that way and you just don't see anything and here you can actually see the hood right up in front of you and it's got the hood scoop and it's just you know it's there and you know that that you're piloting this this thing and um i like that for a change um on your yeah go ahead on your i was going to ask you on your viper can you see the hood on your viper when you drive or uh yeah, but you're right. It does nose off, the, you know, rolls off the front of the hood. Yeah, because this thing is like straight out. I mean, it doesn't dip down at all. Well, you can the the. Um, let me ask a question before I answer yeah. the Viper question. So, on your visibility challenge that you have, but on your 2020, you do have mirrors that tell you if people are in your blind spots. Well, right? I have. It was a uh, with the um, upgraded interior. They throw in the convenience package as well. It's like one of these things that you have to buy if you get the upgraded interior. And as part of the convenience package, it has blind spot monitoring. So I have that. It's not a standard item, but uh, I do have that on the car. And so far, it hasn't been a bother because I have the audio turned off. I just have the triangle that illuminates. So all I have is the illumination. I don't have any audio warnings. So that's nice um, because, you know me, I'm not a big one on these uh, driver assistance systems. Um, The only other thing that i have is uh the rear and and i do like this this part because i had it on my infinity and i and i i don't have it on the mercedes actually it has the rear um proximity sensors so when you get closer to like a parked car or a wall or something it starts beeping and it also has the cross rear cross path detection so if you're pulling out of a uh kind of a blind uh parking spot anything that's coming uh into your path uh, horizontally or perpendicular to how you are, you'll get that um, you'll get that alert. So I do I, I don't mind those two things actually. And I know I've been dissing the blind spot thing, but if you have the audio turned off, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's I, you can totally defeat it too, and the car. And that's one thing I like about uh, another thing I like about the the Challenger is that, and we've talked about this a lot on on the program is that it's got uh, a lot of nice redundancy as far as, you know, working things through either the steering wheel or just a switch on the center console or uh, through the multimedia system. But it also has, has, has a couple of nice things. It has just a big mute button right in the center console for muting the audio. And it's also got a one big button that you just hit if you want to just turn the screen off, which is great because other cars... Most cars have that ability, but it's not always as easy as just hitting one big switch that's right out there in front of you. You have to sometimes scroll through a menu or something like that. So I, I like the thought process behind that. I think it's a good thing. So I, I asked you about your, your Viper hood, and uh, you said it tapers off a little bit, but, I mean, you can see it pretty much from the cockpit, right? Yeah, you, you can see it. Uh, what really stands out is the, uh, the fenders. So okay. it, uh, it would... Uh, uh, has a very similar to a Batmobile 66 feel to it, meaning you've got that cylinder down the center. You see these shark gills facing you, which, by the way, when you're sitting in any type of traffic in any weather over 80 degrees, will all of a sudden get the massaging uh, warmth coming off them. <laughs> As you look at the car in front of you, you see the wavy line. Sure. So and then you've got the... Uh, the overpowering front fenders bulging up uh, from the side. So so it really is a, a very uh, good look for sure uh, on this one. The Challenger, too, at least for 2020, because I know they've tweaked the car over the years, and they've they've changed the, the headlights a little bit, and they've changed the hood 
Um, some of the earlier models had uh, like twin hood scoops. And as far as I, again, I read some of the stuff online. I, I don't go into it because I'm not, you know, I don't want to know every little last thing about the Challenger. But um, and I don't know when they did this change, but supposedly this is like the original Hellcat hood that they're putting on right now. And it's called the heat extractor hood. So it's got like a center hood scoop. And then on the side, I, on both sides of that hood scoop, you've got uh, rearward, rearward, there we go. I can't say that word. Rearward facing um, vents that are supposed to extract heat from the engine. So it's kind of like what you were talking about. I haven't seen any heat waves rising up from it yet. But I, I will say, though, that I always, uh, you know, when I'm done driving the car, I plug it into the battery tender, and it's got the, the battery in the um, trunk, but it has the terminals uh, for jump-starting or whatever up front under the hood. So that's right, I hook the battery tender. And if I just get done driving the car and it's a hot day outside, that hood is literally too hot to touch because it's like it, it's going to, like, burn your fingers. So you have to be very careful to when you're opening the hood. And I, actually, I've gotten in the habit of leaving it open for, a, for maybe five or ten minutes to help get the heat out of it uh, before I plug it back in for uh it's it's slumber but um yeah so far it's been a great uh, a great experience I, I i just absolutely love the look of the car i love the sound of the car when you fire that 392 up man it sounds awesome and uh it's just a you know it's got that great rumble to it i mean nothing beats a a naturally aspirated v8 sound i mean it's just it, it's it's just awesome and that that it's something that we're not going to be able to experience that much anymore you know the v8s are on their way out so that's another reason why i wanted you know big honking naturally aspirated v8 in a in a modern muscle car the brakes seem great uh so far they're brembo four piston um brakes with slotted uh uh discs all the way around um, I haven't thrown it in any corners yet. Um, I, I'm not expecting miracles as far as the handling is concerned because I know that's one thing they said. It's not as crisp as like a, a Camaro or a Mustang, but I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to track this car or anything, but I really like it so far. And of course, I'll, I'll have updates periodically on um, my experiences with the vehicle, but so far so good. So let's, uh, you know, keep our fingers crossed and hopefully it'll continue to be a good experience. And you know, we always like to talk about at the top of the program cars that we've seen on the road. And these are the cars I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of cars I saw on the way when I was uh, actually this is over a month ago when I was actually going out to look at the Challenger when I was driving to the dealer. I, I saw a handful of neat cars on the street. And then in talking to my salesperson at the dealer, he was pretty interesting, too, because he was an older gentleman and his dad owned a Pontiac dealer for many years and uh, so he kind of grew up around Pontiacs and when I told him that I had a 75 Formula 400 Firebird he perked up and and he knew he was dealing with the car guy so maybe that helped help negotiations I don't know but two cars that I saw on the way to the dealer and they were interesting one on a nice leafy tree line street I saw just a just a classic black uh, Jaguar uh, e-type parked on the street nice coupe and i think it had a for sale sign on it too but i didn't have time to to stop and check it out and then i saw a 65 buick electra four-door hardtop which is a cool car uh yeah. it was kind of an ivory beige with a vinyl top and it was a four-door hardtop had the windows down because it was a hot day so you don't see too many of the 65 electras uh, a little more uh square squarish than the um Subsequent models in 67, 68, 69, but a, but a good-looking car, and it was nice to see that. And then in talking to my salesperson, like I said, his he grew up 
with his dad owning a Pontiac dealer, which closed down about, I think they, he said they got out of the business maybe 15 years ago because they knew the writing was on the wall with Pontiac and things like that. But he's got a couple of Pontiacs, and one of them is a 69 GTO that he has owned since 1971. Wow. So that is pretty cool. And then he said he, we were just talking about all kinds of cars, and um, he said he's got a friend that has an original 427 Cobra that has that his friend has owned for 45 years and it's unrestored. And I'm thinking like, wow, that car must be worth a, a pretty penny too because it might not be perfect, but it's unrestored and it's been a you know not a single owner car, but darn, darn close to it for 45 years with the same owner. So it was cool. It, it's always refreshing when you go into a car dealer that you actually run into a salesperson who's an actual car guy instead of, you know, oh, I used to work in finance or, oh, you know, I, I used to sell, you know, machine tools or something. No, you're a car guy. You grew up with your dad owning a Pontiac dealer and things like that. So it's neat when that happens, and I'm glad that uh, that it happened to me. And I had no idea the background because I always do a little research. I go to the website of the dealer, and I look at their staff, and sometimes they have bios, sometimes they don't. And I kind of look at the pictures and kind of go, okay, which guy doesn't seem dorky or <laughs> whatever? It's kind of like rolling the dice, and I just picked this one. His name was Bob, and uh, it worked out. So that was my um, spotted cars uh, and, and dealer experience talking about cars uh, in relation to the, uh, to the new Dodge Challenger. But if you like what you hear on the Car Guys Report, be sure to tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com. You can also go to radiomisfits.com and find our podcast. You can follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter. And, of course, our email inbox is open uh, 24-7. We've been getting some uh, good response from that as of late. Car Guys Report. Report at hotmail.com is our email address. Couldn't be simpler than that. You know, Lou, I know that you have a Lincoln, and I want to say it's an MKZ. I can never remember the, the suffix on, on which Lincoln you have. You have the small SUV. I have an MKC. MKC, I, that's it. Okay. And then you also have a Ford. Don't you have an Escape or something? I've got an Explorer. Explorer, okay. Um, have you ever owned a Chevy Suburban or? I haven't. I've never owned one, but I've got a. I dated a woman that drove one, and my Volvo buddy, um, car my car buddy who drives the Volvos has a has a later model Suburban, like a two thousand and one. And the reason I'm bringing this up is, the uh, the Suburban turns eighty five years old this year it's one of wow. the longest running nameplates in automotive um in automotive history where it has been a you know a chevy suburban uh, obviously the vehicle has changed a lot in its appearance but it was still basically the same idea that it's a, a hauler for for cars or cargo or towing or whatever and i just wanted to spend a few minutes this came from the um appeared in the uh, tribune the tribune news service um so i don't know where they get all their stuff from but this from the tribune news service that appeared in the chicago tribune so i want to go into the background of the of the chevy suburban a little bit but the original suburban in 1935 seated passengers in three rows so that's you know hasn't really changed too much and moved uh was moved by an inline six-cylinder engine that's the old uh, stove bolt six a uh, very venerable uh engine that chevy made for years and years that was the, what powered my um 1951 chevy pickup 
And it was basically, it was a Babbitt uh, rod engine, so it had the port and um, rod bearings that were Babbitted. So that shows how, how old that technology was. But it was produced 60 horsepower. It was a two-door body that was placed on GM's half-truck chassis. But it was an Art Deco era wagon that looked equally at home in a farmer's driveway or shuttling hotel guests. It kind of looks like in the picture that I'm looking at, the 1935 Suburban, looks like kind of a just a more squared off version of a of a four passenger car back then with a with an extended, you know, kind of uh, area in the back for passengers. So pretty much what you would expect a suburban to look like at least when it uh when it started. It says the suburban carryall as it was known in 1935 was designed for versatility according to Christo Dant- uh, Datani, uh, manager of the uh, GM archives, it combined the comfort and convenience of a passenger car with the practical hauling capability of a light commercial vehicle. It could seat eight or be reconfigured for maximum cargo capacity by removing its rear seats. And it's interesting because you could almost say that GM was way ahead of its time because here we are. You know, 85 years later, and, and the, the SUVs are the hottest thing uh, on the road, the crossovers. They've totally supplanted the, you know, the, the, the ubiquitous minivan over the last 10 to 15 years. And, you know, everyone's making a big deal about three-row seating or how much uh, cargo area you have with the seats folded down and things like that. And here Chevy was doing it in 1935. It's been through 11 generations, the Suburban has. And, of course, it has, uh, you know, change styling-wise, powertrain rise, things like that, but has stayed original to its, uh, true to its original formula, which is, you know, cargo and passenger hauling capacity. One of the things that a lot of people don't know is in 1967, uh, Suburban settled into a groove that tracks right to today's model. What they did is back prior to 67, the Suburban, even though it was uh, you know, a long, big vehicle, it still only had a single door on the driver's side, and then it had a single door on the passenger side, and in 67, they added a third door on the rear passenger side for uh, improved uh, accessibility. So it was basically it was a two-door vehicle for a very long time. Then they added this quirky three-door, third door, uh, just on the passenger side. Then eventually, in 73, they went to four real doors, so that made it you know much more practical. But that is something that a lot of people don't realize. So that's one way to tell you know if it's a 67 or a 66 by that third door there on the passenger side. But... Um, you know, the uh, the thing about the um, Suburban, you know, my Volvo buddy that's got one, he was a, a painter, and he used it as his work truck. I think it's his is like a 2001 or 2002, and this car is like 200,000 miles on it. And a couple of years ago, he went out to pick up a Volvo in Pennsylvania, and he just drove that the, the Suburban out there with the trailer, pulled the Volvo onto the back of the trailer, and drove it home. And no problems, you know, totally reliable, just a big, roomy uh, vehicle. So it's just been, a, you know, I'm, I like things that are iconic and, and long-lasted. That's why I like the Porsche 911. That's why I own one. I, that's why I like the Saab 96, because we've talked about that before. And then Suburban totally fits into that category. Just something that is very iconic, very... Um, you know, just part of Americana, at least in our country, and something that, you know, it's changed. But if you look at a 1967 Suburban and you look at a current one, you can see it. There, there's 
you know, it's the basic shape is still there. And the idea behind it, it's still front engine, rear wheel or all wheel drive. And it still has, you know, tons of room inside it. They're, they're huge inside. They just carry all kinds of, um, of cargo and, and things like that when you need it. And of course, you know, it's spawned uh, other models within the GM range. You know, the GMCs are the, um, the Yukons. And the Yukon XL, and of course Cadillac with the Escalade, which is a huge hit too. So, uh, as a parting shot here, it says for 2021, uh, sub- the 2021 Suburban is scheduled to begin sales this summer. So, pretty much right when we're talking about this. But it says, according to GM, that its successor will likely be electrified. So we'll have to see how that goes. But um, I just wanted to just talk about the uh, the Chevy Suburban because you see them all over. They've been used as ambulances. They they're used as you know like the CIA uses them all the time, Tahoes and, and Yukons and things like that. And there, there's something sinister looking about an all-black, you know, Suburban with tinted windows, and <laughs> it's pretty cool. So, um, but, I mean, you obviously like the, the idea of a SUV or a, or a crossover as well. I mean, not you don't own a, a Suburban there, Lou, but you do have, you know, you have two, two Ford products that are somewhat similar i mean what do you use your your explorer for why do you have an explorer do you use it because you want the the capability of towing if you need it or or not so much the towing but um although that that you know i would think more pickup for that yeah uh the 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 explorer is really the um you know the baby greyhound bus meaning that uh whenever i need uh uh, i've got uh, one that just graduated college so uh, there were many trips that the Explorer was uh, back seats down. Oh, sure. And you're, you're carrying uh, tables and uh, baby refrigerators. And, uh, you know, you can really pack that thing like a UPS truck if you play your cards right. Um, so that was where it was super helpful. And then the other thing is, I mean, you know, if you're going downtown or, uh, you know, and I live a little distance away from the city um, or you're, you're traveling uh you know, wherever, I mean, it, it's got a lot of room in it. So, I mean, you, um, my biggest complaint about my Explorer, which really probably isn't a complaint, it's probably a compliment, is it's too comfortable. Huh. Meaning that, that it's the only car that I recall falling asleep in. Wow. One time. I was driving home, uh, and, uh, uh, and I'd never experienced that. So I was driving home from a, uh, um, a UFC event and, uh, uh, you know, it was probably 1130 at night. Uh, uh, you know, I wasn't drunk or anything because I don't drink. I was just, you know, I had some pop and some pizza and uh, I was driving home on I-90 and all of a sudden I heard this sound that I hadn't heard before. And, 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 was it your and, lane and, departure and, warning? It, it was that I was driving off. Or, or the rumble I, strips. <laughs> yeah, rumble strips. And I woke up and I went, okay, that wow. was good. Wow. So I was over by the Sears Center, and uh, uh, I, would, I would have been in one of the attractions if I would have kept driving <laughs> in that direction. But uh, but but that that you do need to be aware of that. And you said something about like with your with your new Challenger and the Viper. I mean, those are cars you drive, so there's no or a Jeep. You're you're not going to fall asleep driving a Wrangler. But I will right? say that the Challenger is very comfortable, though. It has heated seats, heated steering wheel, cooled seats. It's awesome. So you could fall asleep in that if you if you're just traveling on the highway going 65. It's got the the MDS system on the engine because it's an automatic, so it shuts down to four cylinders. So it's not going to make as much noise. I could see you <laughs> nodding off if you really if you really gave it enough time. But I, I, I think I, I think I'd enjoy it too much. I think the uh, 
Uh, and I'll give you an example, the, the MKC, which is really a Ford Escape that's on a Lincoln platform. Yeah, with leather seats uh, and more sound deadening and things like that. Yeah, maybe I should rephrase that. It's actually a Lincoln body on top of a Ford platform. Yeah. But um, when I'm driving that, the EcoBoost is uh, wonderfully annoying. Um, it has more of a tin sound to it, mm-hmm. you know, so it sounds more like that. The other thing, too, is that uh, the steering wheel is a little smaller, so you feel a little more race car-like sure. when you're driving it. Yeah. Where the, where the Explorer, I mean, it's just big and wide, and you're in, you know, you're you're on a flat surface on a lake, and the wind's behind you. I mean, it's just about as cozy as you could possibly be in a. So I, I'm guessing the Suburban would be very similar to that oh it is yeah i i, I remember too that i uh, a friend of mine another friend of mine uh about six months ago bought a uh nearly new it was it was it's actually was a 20 i think it was a 2016 so the car was four years old but only had twenty two thousand miles on it. he bought a a gmc yukon not the xl but just the yukon and this thing was fully loaded um it's got the 6.2 liter uh ls uh engine in it like 420 horsepower um i think it's stickered for like 80 plus and of course he didn't pay that but because it was used but brand new it was like 80 plus and uh you know it's got every it's got all the electronic crap on it it's got the leather seats everything and he said that he's had it on a couple of longer trips and he goes first of all it's just got bottomless power you know for a vehicle that large and i believe it because that's a great engine a lot of horsepower and he said it's a super comfortable because it's got these big you know massage i think it's got massaging seats in it and everything it's just yeah he loves it so um, I mean, that's how far we've come, you know, <laughs> trucks are no longer trucks for, for most people, but you know, I've got the Porsche Cayenne, which is my foray into the, um, into the SUV world. But in previous, uh, years I've owned, uh, I owned a 1995 Isuzu Trooper. And then I also had owned a 1988 uh, Mitsubishi Montero. And that was a two door Montero. And you never see those on the road anymore. And that was a really cool vehicle. That was more like a Jeep. It was a little more rugged, but it still had a, a, a fair amount of, of decent equipment on it. And that was a neat, neat vehicle vehicle the trooper was nice but of course the cayenne is is the best because it's you know got the most power and it's got the luxury and 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 it's got if i ever want to tow it i mean the, the original generation of the cayenne which is what i have the I have a 2008 it's rated at like 7700 pounds of towing which is huge um and of course i don't ever tow anything but you know kind of like you were saying there's always a possibility that you never know when you when you might have to tow something so at least you have that capability but just want to talk a little bit about the uh the suburban and uh how it's become part of our uh automotive landscape here in the states for the last uh, 85 years and we'll continue to go on i don't know if it'll last for another 85 years but it'll keep going we're at the point in the program where we like to talk about a car that was recently sold or advertised for sale online, and we get a lot of these cars either from Hemmings.com or Bring a Trailer, which is an auction site. And this one comes from Bring a Trailer. Uh, I, I know this sounds like a commercial every time we talk about it, Lou, but Bring a Trailer is a great resource. They have uh, 200, 250 live auctions at any given time, a great selection of cars that are up for auction. And this one crossed the block on Bring a Trailer a little while back and this is a classic just a mad men car 1967 cadillac deville convertible and it sold i said well bought for eighteen thousand five hundred dollars it's triple white meaning white top white interior and a white body and it's a 67 which is cool because those had the stacked 
uh, vertical stacked headlights in front. So you have the, the two headlights at each side, but they're stacked vertically instead of horizontally. And I just always thought that was a really um, cool look with the style of that car. 99,000 miles shown, uh, 429 uh, V8, which is a great engine in that car with the three-speed automatic, of course. But just a great-looking car. It'd be an awesome just summer cruiser, uh, great car to put in a parade. Uh, if you just want to just, you know, go to a cruise night or whatever, it just, you know, it doesn't get much better than a than a 67 Caddy convertible in triple white. And I just thought uh, 18.5 was a um, was a good price uh, for that car. And our Buick specialist, uh, Bill Kubik, who has been on the show uh, a couple times, and actually he's going to be making another appearance shortly. Uh, he had a 67. His family had a 67 uh, Caddy. It was a Coupe de Ville. And he also, uh, back in high school and college, Bill also had a 1969 Sedan DeVille. And uh, then they also had a couple of Eldorados in the, in the family as well, in addition to the Buicks that he grew up with. So uh, he would definitely be, uh, be jonesing on this car. And just a great look. Um, and I just think, and I've said this before, Lou, on the program, and I think it still holds true. I think Cadillacs, at least, you know, vintage Cadillacs from mainly from the 60s, to me, they still seem underpriced. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if people are just um, there's other stuff that they pay attention to. Maybe they think caddies are too old manny or something like that. I don't know. But I just think they're they're underpriced. I mean, this was priced right, but I still think it was bought a well bought car. And. You know, the mid-teens for a lot of these uh, 60s Cadillacs uh, is pretty much the going rate these days. for, And you can get a good, clean car for that. Um, I saw a nice Caddy uh, Coupe de Ville at the Mecham auction about a year and a half ago. And I think that thing went for like thirteen or 14000 It was awesome. It was white and had what they call the tuxedo interior, which is kind of like the black broadcloth with some white leather on it. And just really cool stuff. So um, wanted to... Um, talk about uh the 67 caddy that was seen on bring a trailer and if you want to check it out uh check out bring a trailer they're at bring a trailer.com if you i think we're near 60 oh go ahead no 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 go ahead no i was just gonna go into a promo so go ahead talk please (laughs) i was gonna say um you know what the when, when you're talking 60s caddies um the one thing you're talking about is eight miles to the gallon oh sure yeah, they so, got huge V8s, big four-barrel carburetors on them. They weigh like, you know, 5,000 pounds, but they ride like a dream, and they're reliable. And, you know, so what if you burn two gallons of gas going to the Dairy Queen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but, but and, it, and I don't think it's going to be a huge problem to insure it. So I, I agree with you. And, it, and they always, uh, you know, they got great presence when you drive them. Oh, they I mean, do. That, that's just it. I mean, nothing says, you know, 60s class like a big big old caddy cruising down the road, you know, and Don Draper in the front seat with his secretary du jour in the passenger seat. So, um, yeah, they're, they're neat cars. And I, they're still on my list. You know, I kind of have like a running kind of vague list in my head of cars that I may be interested in down the line. And I'm always looking at the caddies because I just think they're, they're, they're cool cars. And like I said, I still think they're underpriced. I think they've been starting to edge up in pricing a little bit uh, the last uh, year or so. But I still think there's some some good values to be found out there, and they're not hideously expensive to restore. I think there's there might not be quite the support out there uh, parts wise as uh, you know some of the Chevys or Fords or things like that. But it's still a GM product. You know, obviously some of the trim pieces might be uh, harder to find or more expensive. But I don't think they're they're 
that much more expensive to do a restoration on. And supposedly they were built better, so maybe they wouldn't need as much stuff to begin with. Who knows? But neat cars to consider, and um, that's what we like doing here on the Car Guys Report. We like talking about stuff that we've seen online that's for sale or uh, has recently sold a regular feature on each episode of the car guys report if you like our program that is the car guys report informed automotive be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the radio misfits podcast network like the show back to you it's an opie show legendary chicago tv personalities howard sudbury and steve baskerville talk about their daily adventures and the long list of things that bug them you can listen to back to you on spotify opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits and that's where you'll find our program the car guys report informed automotive i'm mark vernon along with uh, lou costable and you know i will be talking here and there about mopar since i'm new to the brand lou and i'm sure it's it's warming the cockles of your viper heart that i finally joined the uh joined the club so to speak with the challenger and this is an interesting uh, trio of uh, Dodge Chargers that are for sale. This comes from a, uh, a website uh, called Motorious. And right now, they're all 1969, 1969 Dodge Chargers. They're being sold by a place called Garage Kept Motors. And they're hoping to keep all three Chargers together as one lot. And the single lot of these three amazing Mopars is currently priced at $420,000 for three cars. Now you're saying, what the heck? How could those sell for $420,000? Well, here we go. The collection consists of what they say all three faces of the 1969 Dodge Charger. I'm sure you'll get excited about this, Lou. The Charger RTSE, the Charger 500, and the Charger Daytona. They're all powered by a 440-cubic-inch uh, V8 with 375 horsepower. They're all painted in matching R4 Charger Red and professionally restored with original metal. Now, the uh, 1969 Dodge Charger RTSE, they call it the second-generation Dodge Charger, of course, an icon among muscle, par- muscle cars and Mopars. And uh, the 69 model year is arguably the car's best with its hidden headlights, which we've talked about before in the program, and horizontal taillights. And this particular example of this trio of Chargers is an SE model that added power windows and a black vinyl top. And the overall look is finished with five-spoke wheels and the classic redline tires. Now, the Charger 500 was uh, Dodge's first attempt to aerodynamically tune the B-body Charger for NASCAR. And it's easy to spot that thanks to the 1968 Dodge Coronet front grille that they used with exposed headlights and a flush-mounted rear window, which eliminated the Charger's stylish yet aero-deficient roof buttresses. Uh, They only made 392 of the 69 Charger 500, so it makes them even uh, rarer than the uh, Charger Daytona which is the one that we're going to talk about next. And that one, Lou, is looks like a Superbird. Uh, they up the aero ante, ante even more with the 69 Dodge Charger Daytona. Instant success, of course, in NASCAR, one of the uh, most recognizable cars ever made. For 69, they made 503 of the Dodge Charger Daytonas. And uh, there was a, that car was only made for that one year. So this... Um, Place Garage Cap Motors has these three cars 
the Charger RTSE, the Charger Daytona, and the Charger 500 for a lump sum price of $420,000. And my pick, Lou, of those three, I'd have to go with the uh, Charger 500. I just like that that more uh, stripped-down kind of uh, cool look that that car has. And, I mean, I would take either any of these, but I would definitely take the Charger 500. What would you... Uh, what would you select if you were, had to take one of the three of these cars that are for sale? I'd go with the Daytona. You would, yeah. I, I like that big wing. I like the nose. Um, obviously unusual. But I have to compliment you. A, a fine pick in the 500 because uh, very rarely do you – it seems like I see more Daytonas. Yeah. And I, and I rarely come across a Charger 500. Well, of course, though, too, um, like the Superbirds, there's probably more Daytonas that are out there now than came off the factory floor, right? Um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe. You know, maybe people put nose cones on them and wings and things like that or, and, and did tribute cars to them is what you're alluding to. Yeah. But uh, the, five, the, the Charger 500, the interesting thing about that car is it does have the exact same Daytona rear window. Uh, and people don't usually notice that. Usually the Charger rear window has almost kind of a W shape uh-huh. to it. It kind of starts at the end and loops in the middle and comes back out. But, uh, um, yeah, to see the, to see an actual 500 with the, the rear window correct and the front end flat, um, I don't think it looks better than the regular Charger. I kind of like the regular Charger's hideaway headlights. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I, I find that as a... As a, as an interesting pick that you picked that one. That's, that's yeah, good. yeah, and and of course I have to ask the question uh, for my car stories. Uh, my car, <laughs> my car story with Lou. There we go. I knew I'd remember it. Uh, do you have? I know you've got to have some kind of '69 Chargers. Do you have any of these examples uh, on the uh, YouTube channel? 1969. I'm doing it as we're speaking. Ladies and gentlemen, Lou has so many cars on his YouTube channel, he can't all keep them sorted in his head. So that's why he has to search his own channel to find out what he's got on there. The the answer to your question is it says I'm I'm showing 15. Wow. So so that's why I couldn't answer that right away. Yeah, 15. But are any Daytonas or 500s, or are they all just the... the, uh, Yeah, no, there's... uh, uh, I'll, I'll quickly scroll through the list. I think there's only one 500... To answer your question, so that wow, was easy. good, good. Um, but uh, there's a Charger RT four twenty six. There's the General Lee. There's uh, uh, sixty nine Daytona Charger, sixty nine Daytona Charger with a four twenty six Hemi, a uh, sixty nine Charger RT four forty, another Daytona with a Hemi. Uh, we take a ride in two of them, so I guess that eliminates those three of them. So that's not actually all of. 15 different ones but uh and then yeah just the one charger excuse me 500 so, okay wow yeah uh, see that's the rarity yeah, factor so, there so pretty yeah pretty pretty rare rare car how sure. are the views on that just uh you know yeah i'm uh, curious yeah so um the one with the most views out of that is the ride in the 426 hemi has 443,000 views wow a ride in the 69 daytona charger uh, uh, a, a different car, black with a white tail. The first one was green with a black tail. Has 121,000 views, 
Uh, let me see if what's the smallest amount of views. Well, the smallest amount of views also relates to the, my very first weekend of video on cars in November 24th, 2013. Wow, back in the day. Yeah, 69 Dodge Charger RT 426 Hemi uh, has only 809 views. So people forgot about that. <laughs> wow. But but a great but a great car. It must have been just a terrible guy interviewing at that time. So. What's this Yahoo doing with the camera? <laughs> yeah, who's, who's this? Is it YouTube or Yahoo? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, I knew you'd have them on the on the on the uh, on the channel there, Lou. You never cease to amaze me that anytime I I talk about a rare car, it's like, oh, I've got one of those on the channel. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I was pretty pretty lucky to have. Uh, uh, but it's a car I like. I mean, I think it's a, a great looking car. So oh yeah, I've always loved Chargers. Yeah, they're they're they're, yeah. they're iconic cars. They're very especially very cool yeah, especially '69 is great. Yeah, cool. We have sanitized all OPI shows for your protection, but you should still be wearing a mask. Help prevent the spread of COVID nineteen by following the CDC guidelines. You will be saving the world, and also be sure to wash your hands. And actually, uh, it looks like the UPS man is at the front door here of the uh, Car Guys Report warehouse. I'll let him in, wash my hands, and we'll be back after this. I'm Howard Sudbury, and I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next, back to you. I'll drink to that. The key is knowing what to drink and how to. Prepare it. We have a mixologist, a liquor, a bartending expert on the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. What is the deal with all these little little liquor bottles? Uh, Yesterday was my sister's birthday, and as Germans, I just thought it would be fun to buy a bunch of little ones. And as it turns out, I bought too many. No. Did you just like go to the closeout island aisle no. and just grab a bunch of bottles? No, or? so I went to Benny's last night uh-huh. and I bought 30 of these and I bought a jar of cherries because I occasionally like to make Manhattans. And the, and the lady at Benny's looks at me and goes, well, you're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs> she said to me, I just have one quick question. What's the deal with the cherries? How do you use the cherries? I said, you have no idea. This is going to be wild. <laughs> Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon with Freshly Washed Hands, and Lou Costable is at Chateau Costable on the phone, and we're doing the socially distanced uh uh, Car Guys Report, as we have been doing for a while now, but it's working out great. And I think Lou likes it because he can lay back and, and prop his feet up on the chair and uh, be swigging his uh, Coca-Cola from the uh, from the uh, ice-cold mug that he's got there, and he's got his uh, T-shirt on, and he's just having the time of his life. So we're glad to have you along. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. And one of our famous lists, Lou, is about to start. We're going to divide this one into two programs, uh, 24 fun slash not boring cars that you can buy for under 40000 Now, 40000 might sound like a, a lot of money for a, a list like this and seeing that that's about the average cost of a new car these days. So it's really not, you know, you could say, well, a Ferrari is a fun car. Yeah, but, you know, who has 275000 to three hundred? fifty thousand dollars to plop down on a car like that so this is coming from road and track and we always like to um have these lists because sometimes there's there's cars that may you'd think could be on the list i didn't add any because i didn't do any searching for 
prices, but I have my famous uh, editorial comments on a couple of them. So <laughs> it's it just kind of makes it fun, and that's why we like doing these lists. And again, we're doing part one right now of 24 not boring cars under $40,000, and this is part one, so we're doing 12. And I'll just start at the top. These are in no particular order. They're not ranked by by price or or things like that. But just forty thousand was the benchmark. Um, number one, uh, starting out the list was the uh, venerable Nissan three seventy Z. Now that's the reintroduction of the uh, the classic Z car, and it's been around now for a number of years. And it really uh, they've got a redesign coming soon. So as they say in the business, it's getting a bit long in the tooth, but it's still a great looking car. That one. Uh, you can get for about thirty grand, and I think that's a, a heck of a car uh, for the price. The Camaro One LE is also uh, just a skosh under thirty thousand dollars. Of course, when I bought the Challenger, I didn't even cross shop uh, Mustangs or Camaros. Really, I just kind of pretty much had my heart set on the uh, the Challenger, so that's obviously what I bought. But the Camaro One L One LE, a decent car for about thirty grand. Now this one popped onto the list and i don't know exactly where they're coming from the toyota corolla hatchback and i've got a question mark there it's cheap it's 20 grand but um i would never think of a corolla as being a um you know a sporty or fun to drive car so that one kind of had me um, scratching my head a little bit the subaru brz is that uh hybrid uh uh, toyota subaru mashup that they've been making now for a number of years thirty one thousand five hundred dollars approximate price on the brz front engine rear drive great car the kia stinger now that's another one too that's got a twin turbo v6 in there it's like 365 horsepower i think um I've seen a handful of those at car shows, actually, and it's a good-looking car. It's got kind of a weird, longer wheelbase because its cousin is the the uh, Genesis G70, and the G70 has that shorter wheelbase, and, and the, the Genesis actually has a little bit better proportions to it. The Stinger looks a little awkward with that longer wheelbase, but it's a nice car, and you can get that twin-turbo V6 just around $40,000. Um, this is one that I said I'm not very impressed by, the Alfa Romeo Giulia. Now, I've never driven one of those, but I have uh, tried one on for size, at least in the dealer, uh, a few years ago when I was getting the uh, Fiat serviced. And I just wasn't that impressed by it. It, You know, the Quadrifoglio version, the one that's like 85000 that car looks very cool. It's, it's very menacing looking and things like that. But... This one is just kind of, you know, the, the the base models, they didn't do a lot for me. And I hardly see them on the road, too. So I know that Alfa Romeo's reintroduction here in the U.S. hasn't really gone as well as they <laughs> might have thought it could have gone. But um, we'll see what happens. But um, the Julia is on the list. Road and Track thinks it's a, a fun car to drive under 40. And they didn't really say what, what means fun or not boring. I think, Lou, would be just pretty much what you and I think of of a fun or a not boring car, something that engages you, something that has a little bit of character, something that has a little bit of soul. It's just not going to isolate you from the road or make you fall asleep like some people with a Ford Explorer. But... Um, a couple other ones, the Dodge Charger RT. Now, that's the four-door muscle car that uh, that Dodge makes. That's a cool car, 36000 The Hyundai Veloster N and R-Spec. Uh, those are two different cars. The N is kind of like their high-performance version. 
27,000 or so. The R spec is cheaper at about 23. Another Hyundai on the list, the Elantra GT N line. Now, our man of the field, Roger Rexroad, has an Elantra GT, I believe. He bought it about a year ago when he traded his Fiat Abarth. And I don't know, his is not an N line, but I know he's always doing things to his car, so it's probably up to N line spec by now. And and uh, when he hears this uh, program, I'm sure I'll be getting the uh, the text from him, and he'll be correcting me left and right on on what the end line is and isn't, and how his car compares. And then two more cars that are related: the Mazda Miata, a perennial on a uh, fun to drive list, and its uh, Italian stablemate cousin, the Fiat 124 Spider Abarth, or Abarth. Uh, affectionately known as the Fiat, because it's the uh, Mazda Miata chassis, slightly different body, and a different engine too. It's actually got a turbo in the um, in the Spider. And actually, I kind of like the Fiat Spider uh, better. I think it looks nicer than the the latest version of the Miata, and it's um, a little more pricey, about twenty nine and a half thousand. But since they're not selling well, I think that you could probably get a pretty screaming deal on a uh, Fiat uh, 124 Spider, But that's the, uh, that's the list, uh, half the list there, Lou. And of that list, I would have to take, my pick would have to be either the, uh, the 124 Fiat Spider or the probably the Subaru BRZ. I, I've been intrigued by those cars. They're good looking, and they're not that expensive. And there's a, a fair amount of aftermarket support for them now, so you can get them tuned up, lowered, whatever you want to do with them. They're pretty neat-looking cars. So those are my picks on the list. Did anything stand out to you of those 12? Well, well, you, you know, you mentioned sports car. So um, some of them, in my opinion, Well, we didn't say – yeah, we didn't say – we weren't calling oh, these sports I'm sorry, cars. I'm sorry. You're, you're right. You're right. Fun cars. Fun, so, yeah. So, so I guess when I think fun, I – uh, and I'm sure, what's the uh, email, Mark? Oh, uh, carguysreport at hotmail.com. Yeah, get your pen ready for this next comment. <laughs> if it's a four-door, I usually don't put it in the fun category. Yeah, I agree. Okay, good. Then they'll send it to both of us. Um, but uh, uh, so when you said like the Charger. Or the Julia. Uh, yeah, and I know that you could stick a Hellcat engine in it. And yes, would it be fun with a Hellcat engine? The answer is yes with capital Y-E-S. So I'm not <laughs> saying that's not the case, but that's not going to be under 40K either. No, so, no, the wide-body Charger, which is a total badass-looking car, yeah, that's like 85000 yeah, I think. Yeah, that's, that's going to be crazy silly dollars. But for under 24, from the ones that you went through, that, that kind of sparked a little... Usually it's going to be visually for me. And, and, and to your point, I agree with the Fiat choice. Really? Interesting. Yeah, the Spider. Yeah, yeah the Spider. The spider. I, I think, and one of the reasons why is the Spider, I think, actually looks a little bigger than it is. It does, yeah. It's a, it's a big car. I mean, it looks bigger. Uh, definitely. I mean, obviously the Miata has grown over the years, too. But I, I've never compared the specs of the, of the current Miata to the current Spider. But it looks like it's a bigger car than the Miata, and yeah. I don't know if it is or not, but maybe it's just the way yeah. the body's designed. It's kind of flatter and lo- looks a little taller, but it's a, cr- yeah. it's a good-looking car, and it's got, the, it's got like a hundred and... I don't know what the horsepower rating is, but it's a, I know it's a turbo. I want to say 160 horsepower, but that sounds... For some reason, it sounds too low these days, but... Um, well, you might, be, you might be right, and and I think that's its, its weak spot, right? I mean, you know, if they're turning it into a Sunbeam Tiger and putting a V8 in it, you know, I mean, that's... <laughs> then it would probably be more than 40K as well. So, 
uh, I, I think the the real deal there is you know under forty k. Um, and most of these yeah. cars to, to Road and Tracks credit were actually most of them on the list were actually under thirty, which is nice. There was only a handful like the Stinger and the Alfa Romeo, and maybe the Charger that were upper 30s but pretty much everything that, else was under 30 which is you know i think that's pretty good i mean when you can get a nissan 370 under 30 grand that's a hell of a car for the price even if it yeah. might be getting a little long in the tooth i would take that too that's another car i would take because um it's similar to the infinity that i had i had a g37 uh coupe um back in 2011 and the, it's very it's basically the same chassis just a little bit larger and a lot of the same run yeah same engine same running you know a lot of the same running gear and that was a good car and the 370 is just a little smaller a little more compact so it would even be more fun to drive so to speak but we'll do part two of the of the 24 fun not boring cars to drive in the next episode of the car guys report and if you uh like listening to the car guys report make sure obviously not to only tell your friends but do us a little favor as well we're available all over the uh, popular podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Blueberry, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can check us out on RadioMisfits.com. You can also check us out on OpiShows.com. And when you do, please subscribe. You'll get an automatic push notification whenever there's uh, new content, and that would be every Tuesday now. We went from a Thursday schedule to a Tuesday schedule, so your week just got a lot better with our drop uh, day of Tuesdays now with the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. You uh, can listen to uh, our podcasts on whatever device you have, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your desktop, your laptop, in your car, out uh, having lunch in the Forest Preserve, at the office, in your home, wherever you are, it's listening on your own terms. You can fast forward, rewind, replay, delete, do whatever you want. Now, we hope you don't delete, but we hope that you replay. You can get those nuggets of of Lou with his, his great... Uh, things that he paints the way he talks and you can get me fumbling along talking about stuff and it's a lot of fun that's that's really what it's all about and please leave us a couple more positive reviews on apple Podcasts if you have a chance to we've got a couple of positive reviews on there and we'd like to certainly get more we'd like to once again welcome our canadian listeners and our our uh, long-lasting and loyal uh, listeners in australia and of course everyone that listens to us stateside as well thanks so much for being a loyal Car Guys Report informed automotive podcast fan here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And we're at the point in the program, Lou. I know it's your favorite part of the program where we play the My Car Story with Lou guessing game. So why don't you tell us about how that game works? Well, if you're new to the podcast and it's your first one, I have a YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. And on the channel, uh, we give uh, three cars, which is usually what I put up a week, usually Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And we give them a little while to percolate, if you will. And then we're going to get a number of views per car. And the game is you guess which car has the most views, the second most views, and, of course, the third most views. And hopefully they'll be percolating and not fermenting, right? (laughs) (laughs) So what will happen is I always give the oldest car first um, and then the second and third oldest car, but that does obviously not uh, represent the views that they got. So, for example, this one we have a 1932 Ford 
three window street rod mm. in red. Now, in not a five window though, a three window. A three window okay. street rod. The next one is a '63 Corvette split window blue with a fuel injection system with engine sound. Wow. And the last one is a '67 Chevrolet Nova SS in black resto mod with a 383 stroker engine sound. Uh, a couple of questions. Does the Nova have Kregers on it? Kreger mags? The Nova does not have Kregers really? on it, but it is modified and it does have, uh, you know, let me just double I check I always thought that. the Kreger, you know, it seems most of the Novas I see on the road have Kregers on them. I always thought that was a, you know, I, I know that some people don't like Kreger mags for some reason, but they're just so iconic, especially on a on a car like a like a Nova. It just seems like I see them all the time on the Nova. So I had that question. It, it does It does have five-spoke okay. and, and Are they turbo black, thrust or? Uh, yeah, they look more like turbos. They're not Kregers. Okay. Though. And then what color is the uh, the Ford? The Ford is red. Red. And is there a flathead V8 in there, or is it something else? Uh, I don't believe they have a flathead V8 in so there. So probably like a Chevy 350 or something? Something like that. Okay. Hmm. And the, or, or maybe a Ford 302 or something else. Yeah. Like uh, it's funny, though. The people that have the Fords... When they rest them on them, they put the Chevy engines in them. I don't know, I don't know what's up with that, but it seems like I see more Chevy 350s in Fords than I do uh, in, in Chevys sometimes, it seems. but um, And then the Corvette. It's blue. Uh, what color is the interior? Uh, the interior is uh, a tan. Tan. Blue and tan. Huh. Oh, boy. That's a, a tricky one. I will go... I'll go with the Corvette number one. I, I've probably used the word iconic in this uh, episode probably 20 times already, but that is, you know, a split window coupe, unbelievable car. I'll go with uh, the Corvette number one. Let's go with the Nova number two and the Ford number three. Okay. So, first of all, you got number three in the correct spot. That had 1,543 okay. views. The 32 Ford three window street rod. And I have to say, all three of these cars, uh, the 63, by the way, is all original. So um, the number one one was actually the Nova huh. in black with the 383 stroker engine. Wow. had 3,605 views, and the Corvette had 2,614. Wow. So we had 1,526 and 3,600 views. Yeah. Um, but to your point, I mean... Uh, you know, a split-window Corvette with a fuel injection system from the factory yeah. is about, for a Corvette standard, as high as it gets. Exactly, I yeah. You, I don't care if you have a C8 Corvette. I don't care if you have a C7, ZL1. And it's original. I mean, that to me yeah. is, is just icing on the cake, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and a perfect example of that is when I videoed that car, it was at the Muscle Car and Corvette National, which has almost every iconic Corvette sitting there. I mean, whether it's an L88 uh, a Corvette or something like that with a special engine in it. But, uh, yeah, I, I think when you think if you had to pick one Corvette and you only get one choice, and by the way, I believe all Corvette designs are great. I don't think they had a bad design at any year, but you would probably have to pick a C2 split window yeah. with a fuel injected. Yeah. I, I don't think it gets any higher than choosing that as far as, 
you know, the argumentation sake. And I don't like to argue about Corvettes because they're all great. But and does that, that does that have the knockoff wheels too? The knockoff hub. Uh, it I'm should, I think. Eighteen sixty three. This one. I'm gonna have to take a quick look at it to answer my question. I'm challenging you a lot on the uh, on the <laughs> on your cars today, Lou. I love it. It appears, it appears to have the uh, the regular hubcaps on this. Really? One. Okay. For some reason, yeah. I just thought it should have knockoffs, but who knows? Well, you know what? I take that back. It does have uh, the uh, uh, the knockoffs, but it is a hubcap. Yeah, but it still has the the knockoff thing in the center, though. And that's what yeah, I'm talking it, about. It has, I mean, it has the, th- the, th- the three-piece yeah. spinner. Yeah. yeah, which is a knockoff. It, it has, yeah. Yeah. It and and I, it's exactly what I thought it should have. I was just curious because I've seen them on the, on, you know, on the wheel cover, as you're saying, but it's still a knockoff center piece, and it looks great. So that's what it should have. So that's awesome. We play the uh, Car Guys Report guessing game on every episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And if you haven't checked out Lou's YouTube channel yet, uh, you should, because it's got over 1,500 super cool car videos. And I tell you, Lou, I mean, just from what we've talked about in this episode, you can get an idea of the rarity, exclusivity, and just cool factor of of the cars that Lou features on his uh, channel. You can check it out on YouTube, My Car Story with Lou. And we'll do the Car Guys Report guessing game on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, like we do on every episode of this podcast. Coming up on that next episode of the Car Guys Report, we'll talk about an electric boost for your turbocharger, plus part two of the most fun cars for under $40,000. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable. Thanks so much for having taken the time to uh, take us along for the ride here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Now, you're probably wondering, Opi, what the heck is that? Well, it's the word hippo spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits, Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that would be radiomisfits.com. This OFI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Hey, and friends here, and I think you should listen to us. Why's that? Well, personally, I like dragging us down rabbit holes that have little to do with the conversation at hand. Yeah, you do that all the time. I think you're a professional at it. I'd like to be. I think that's my ideal job. Just to be the tangent man. How do you guys feel about peeing on a bus? <laughs> All that on And Friends, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. If you missed Los Anno or Los Anno and Friends, here's what you missed.
My name is Ryan Cheverini. I'm the co-host of Windy City Live. The shorter you are, the more famous you are. That is true. You know, I, 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 well, well, who's the shortest? Like you Tom can? Cruise, yeah. Ryan Seacrest, probably. Okay. I, I just interviewed Al Pacino a little. Yeah, yeah. All. But yeah. They're all little. Yeah. yeah. Well, then explain Will Ferrell because you've had him. Uh, he's a big dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's yeah. like six four. Six Will five. Smith too. Will yeah. Smith. The Wills apparently are tall. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Will Ferrell was awesome. Will, um, you could talk to him just like we're talking right now yeah. when the light's not on. Yeah. As soon as the camera light goes on, uh, you can't ask him anything serious. <laughs> like, I think I asked him, I said, hey, I'm going to ask you a little bit about, you know, your things that you like to watch, this, whatever. He goes, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. I come, We come out and I go, hey, you know, you've been making people laugh your whole life. What, what's the movie that you watch late at night when you're flipping channels and you just have to watch it because it's so funny? And he's like, um, you know, uh, probably... Uh, Booty call. <laughs> Remember that movie with Bill yeah, Bellamy? Absolutely. Yeah. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and Friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lozano or whatever the f it's called. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, it's a brand extension from Carol Shelby that will take your breath away, plus a rare Mercedes 6.3 sedan that just sold. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>